Okay, we're starting here on the bottom of Lamed Amad We're continuing with the Gemara that we left off with the, yesterday's daf, which is Marbrei de Ravina, Avadi Lulo de Bray. He made a wedding for his son. Chazino de Rabbanu Dabak Badchei Tuva. They were a little too frivolous, the Rabbanu there. Aiti Kasa de Mokra, but Arba Meazuze brought a glass goblet that was worth 400 zuz. As Rashi says above, Kasa de Mokra is Kosha Zuchuchit Levana, something that we saw earlier in the Mesechta. Vetava, and he smashed the Kamayu, Vatibu, and they became a bit more serious, more sedate. Ravashi Abadi Lulu Lebre, Ravashi did a similar thing. He had a wedding for his son. Chazino de Rabbanu Dabak Badchei Tuva. He saw that they were becoming a little too frivolous. He brought a goblet of white glass. He smashed it in front of them. And it made them a little more reticent, increased their inhibitions, and made them a little more sedate. Now, Tosafon mentioned over here, we mentioned this on Friday, that This is the source for the Minog to break a glass at the wedding. Now, this isn't clear from all the Rishonim. Tosafon thinks that there's some connection between this and the Avelut. Many of the Rishonim, and they sent out the Mekorot on this, don't believe that there's a correlation between Zechel the Churban and what happened here. This is independent of any Avelut. What was done here was simply to keep people in the right frame of mind, to stop them from being too frivolous, and that's irrespective of whether the Mikdash was there or the Mikdash was not there. Now, later on in the Gemara, the Gemara has a little line about Yimale Sechok Pinu, which seems to indicate that we might be talking about the time of Churban versus the time of Binyan. But other than that, the Gemara seems to work independently of Evelut, and therefore many of the Rishonim believe that this Gemara and these actions taken by the Amoraim are not because of Evelut or because of Yushalayim, but simply to maintain a certain amount of decorum within the wedding that people didn't have excess frivolity. I'm going to lay the Rabbanan Ramnuna Zute. Rabbanan said to Ramnuna, younger one or the little one, Bihilula de Mar Bire de Ravino at the wedding of Mar Bire de Ravino, Lishre Lan Mar. So he says, sing for us a song. What are we that we will die? What are we that we will die? What should be the chorus for this? How should we answer you? Where is the Torah? Where are the mitzvot that protect us? Now you have different ways to read this. Some of the girsot read it in a positive light. Make sure you have the Torah. Make sure you have the mitzvot that protect you. And then you don't have to worry about it. Or others read in the negative. I mean that why are we worrying about death is because where is the Torah and the mitzvah that should be protecting us? The sort for a person to have his mouth full of laughter in this world. Only then will our mouths be full of laughter and our tongues full of joy and song. So there seems to indicate there's something else must happen in order for that to be true, and that's Latid Davo. That only when there's Shivat Zion will there be a dispensation for allowing Shokpinu. Only when the other nations will say, That Hashem was great, that He did this to B'nai Yisrael, that He brought them back to Zion. There is some sort of connection here to the Churban Abayit, in the sense that the restriction against Shokpinu has to do with the fact that we don't have Shivat Zion, and that we don't have the other nations saying, But if we did have that, then we permissible Shokpinu, and that is why some of the Rishonim, like Tosfot over here, connected to the Aveluta Churban. Amru Allah of Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish was a Talmud Chover of Rabbi Yochanan, Shemiyamav, Lomales Chokpiv. And for the rest of his life, he did not have excess laughter. After he heard this memra from Rabbi Yochanan, he was much more reserved for the rest of his life. When a person gets up to Davin, you don't do it while one is engrossed or discussing involved in some sort of adjudication, not when they're involved in the depths of aloha, plumbing aloha, 
Ella mitoch halacha psuka. Can adapt a daven from something that's a definitive sack. What we don't want is your mind wandering off into these other items while you're davening. So you want you to come in with a clear mind. So you come in after halacha psuka, something that's clear, defined. It's a proper way to come into davening, right frame of mind to have learnt something beforehand. But nevertheless, you don't want it to be something that lingers with you when you daven. What's an example of a definitive psaq? So now Gemara is going to give a number of examples. One of them will remind us, for those who just finished up Nida, Halacha from Nida, Rabbi says that Benot Yisrael were machmir on themselves, that even if they see the smallest drop of dam, like that of a mustard seed, they keep shivanikim. Now, mina Torah, when it comes to a nida, a nida has a sighting of damim, has to wait seven days, mina Torah, no matter what. She's tmeah for those seven days, and it doesn't matter if she sees damim during the seven days, she doesn't see damim. She can see damim through the whole entire seven days, or never see damim during the seven days. She's tmeah for the entire seven days. At the end of those seven days, sun sets on the seventh day, if at that point she has a hefsei, she stops seeing damim, she can go to the mikveh the night of the seventh, and she is Torah, and she is completely Torah. If after that point she starts to see damim, in the subsequent eleven days, they are called her yemeziva. If she has a sighting of damim one day during the yemeziva, she has to be shomeret yom keneged yom. means that she has to wait that day out, go to the mikveh, and then wait for sunset on that day. And if she sees no more damim, she's fine. If she sees for two days in a row, the same thing. She has to wait on that extra day, shomeret yom keneged yom. She has to be mafsik with tara, go to the mikveh, and then have the sunset. She sees for three days straight, then she becomes what's called a zavagidola. Zavagidola has to wait for shivanikim, has to have seven clear days without any sighting of damim, in order to become teora. The end of those the seven days, in the time of the mikdash, on the eighth day, she would have to bring a korban. Today, obviously, there is no mikdash, but you need those seven days to become naki. Because of the difficulties in tracking the yimei nida, the yimei ziva, there were takanot that were put in place, some of them are ready by the Tanaim, by Rabbi. And later on, Takanot or Humro developed in order to eliminate any safek. And this was the last of these items, which is that the Bnot Yisrael were machmir, that any time they saw any damim, that they wait seven days. They wait a complete seven days, shiva nikim, in order that there be never be a safek, whether they're a nida or a zavagdola, they'll always perform or act like they are a zavagdola. There's much discussion among the Rishonim. What is the paradigm for this? Why would we wait this? How come we need this solution? There are other solutions. So that's all discussed in the Gemara Nidan by the Rishonim over there. Over here, the Gemara just says, is Allah That's what we all practice, and that's what women are knowing today. That they wait a minimum of five days after they see Tum'ah, and that's because of what's called Paletet Shechvat Zera. She could be Tum'ah because of the Shechvat Zera that she has inside of her that has 72 hours. Why it's five days is also discussed in the Gemara Nidan as well as by the Rishonim. Then after that point in time, she has to wait Shiva Nikim. So a woman has to wait a minimum of 12 days before she becomes Tehorah. Rav Amar, Kiyad Rav Oshayo. This is Aloha, that's Aloha Psuka. Tam Rav Oshayo, Marim Adam Al-Tuvato, Umachnisa Bemot Shalak, Kedesh Ebem Toh, Ochelet, Uptura Minamaser. That a person can bring in their Tuvah to their house. In order for Tuvah grains to be Chayav in Shumot and Masrot, they have to meet two qualifications. One is they have to have gone through Gemar Malacha. They have to finish their processing out in the field, which means that they have to reach the Goren. Miruach Akri, they have to be piled over and brought to that state of processing. Then they have to have what's called Riyat Pnei Abayit. They have to be brought into the house. Until those two items happen, they are not Chayav in Shumot Masrot. Now the Din might be different, for instance, if he plans on selling it, and he never plans on bringing it into the house, then maybe after Gemar Malacha already makes it into a Kviut for Shumot Masrot. So I'm in a case where he's going to consume the grains. He needs both of those items in order to be chayab midoraita. If one, for instance, 
didn't do Gemar Melacha and brought it into the house, they would not be Chayav in Shemot Masrod Ben Torah. Or the other way around, if a person did Gemar Melacha but never brought it into the house, they would not be Chayav in Shemot Masrod Ben Torah. The Rabbanan would go there in these instances, whether there's Gemar Melacha or if there's Riyat Pnei without Gemar Melacha, that a person may no longer eat a Achilat Keva. They may not eat any full meal or a suda of any sort. What they are permitted to do is have an achilat arai. They're allowed to have any temporary meal, a snack, that they're allowed to have without taking off trumot masrot. Behemot, they can feed their animals because all achilat behemah is considered to be arai. It's already considered to be a snack. So the chachamim, when they made this gzerah, that if you brought into your house, when the gemar malacha wasn't done, then you are chayav and shumot masrot mid rabbanan. That's only if you have a chilat keva. So exclude from that is a snack that you take or any feed to a behema. So that's what's being discussed here, which is Rabbi Oshaya says that if you bring in the marima damo tuato, a person can be a little tricky with his grains. He brings it in while the husks are still on the grains. They can feed his animal. He doesn't get take off shumot masrot because it's a chilat behema, which is a rye. And there is no view of Chuot Masrot, Midorai, Tohon Midorabanan, and Rabbanan said, Achilatara is okay. Vibai Taima, Kiyad Ravuna, another possibility about this halacha psuka was like Ravuna, Dam Ravuna, Zira, Mekiz, Dam Bebehemat Kodoshim, someone who bloodlets the Behemat Kodoshim, a Behemat that belongs to Kodesh, Asur Bahana'a Umolimbo. One may not derive any benefit from that blood, and if you do, you're Chayav in Mi'ilah Mina Torah. Mi'ilah is the misappropriation of Hegdesh by an individual. When you misappropriate egg days, you are chayab to repay plus a fifth. And on top of that, you have to bring a korban mi'ilah. So that will be the case here with the damim. Even though the Gemara says, the Mishnayot say in other places, that damim have no din of mi'ilah. Despite the fact that in other places we have indications that damim does not have mi'ilah, as Rashi points out, that's only true when you bring it into the mikdash. When it's brought into the mikdash, then damim doesn't have a din of mi'ilah, because over there we dash in the Pasuk that they chaparani tativ that I gave you damim for kapara and not for mi'ilah. But that only happens when it's the damim and blood that's inside the mikdash, when it's in a context of kapara. Over here where you're bloodletting, clearly not in the context of kapara, and therefore this blood does have a din of mi'ilah. So one of these halachot is a halacha psuka, something that there are no questions on, no arguments about, and that's the type of halacha that you want to learn before you start davening. Now Rabbanan avdei kematanitan. The Rabbanan held like our Mishnah, which is that they used to come to davening mitok kovid rosh. They should come with a right frame of mind where they were focused and reserved. And Ravashi avad kebraita. And Ravashi did like the braita that we just quoted before. That ain't only dim litvel lo mitoch din velo mitoch dvar lacha mitoch alacha psuka. Turn rabbanan. Ain't only dim litvel lo mitoch atzvut. Can't get up to daven not when you are depressed or sad. Velo mitoch atzlut not when you're lazy. Velo mitoch schok not through laughter. Velo mitoch sicha. And not from a conversation, Rashi says, late sanut, clowning around, velomitoch kalut rosh, and not any form of frivolity, velomitoch dvarim bitelim, and not out of things that are meaningless, or not when you're involved in meaningless things, things. Ella, what should you come in? Mitoch simcha shel mitzvah. Should enter in through the simcha, the happiness or excitement of doing a mitzvah. As Rashi points out, grown smicha gulat mitzrayim to the tefillah, or smicha tilal the David, saying ashray before davening, that is to come in with divrei tanchumim shel Torah, and that is mitoch simcha shel mitzvah in the way that one properly enters into tefillah. Then a person departs from his friend. He shouldn't do this from idle chatter, 
not laughter, not frivolity, not about idle chatter or meaningless things. To do it with a dvar alacha, you can see here that there's a girsa change. The other option, according to the Groh, is simcha shal mitzvah, which would flow better with the bright over here because otherwise it would connect to the bright that we saw before. But one of those two. When it comes to Nishonim, when they finished off the Navi, they ended off on a positive note. With things that are praise for Hashem and the consolation for Bnei Israel, that things will get better in the future. Even though, as Tosafot points out, the Miyo is one exception to that. But otherwise, most of them view Mishonim Ad in that way. person should depart from his friend with words of Allah because with that, they remember them. This is very true. When you depart from a friend and you tell them Allah, every time they come across that Allah or that Dvar Torah, they will think of you. They'll always remember that you gave them that piece of information. And that's a nice way to part because that keeps the memory of the individual with you. From the mouth of the river, in the place of the palm trees in Bavel. When he reached there, says, oh, of these palm trees really here from the time of Adam Rishon, and they're still standing here. And Rabbi Simi Bashi responded, You reminded me about something that we heard from Rabbi Yosi Berbachanina. So it says, at a place where no man has passed and no man has settled. If but nobody passed through there, then how was it ever settled? Any place or location where Adam Rishon said it will be settled or designated for civilization, then that was civilized and settled. Any place that Adam Rishon did not allocate or designate for living, then it was never settled. That he accompanied him for a part of the journey from either Agonaya to Bekipi, or some people say all the way until Beidora. Here the Gemara seems to be missing something because we don't have any recording of what they spoke to each other. Obviously they're evidence of the Gemara was that they had a Dvar Locha and were missing that. So it seems to be here that there's something missing from the text. But as far as the previous text, we saw that Rav Kahana accompanied Rav Simi Barashi and Rav Kahana said, do we really, are these palm trees really here from the time of Adam Arishon? And Rav Simi Barashi responded, oh, you reminded me about something that I had learned about Adam Arishon. And it's clear that if Adam Arishon designated to be settled, then these palm trees must be there from the time of Adam Arishon. So you have a response, and you have something, a lochah, that's learned between them, that will always set, stay with them, because they departed on that dvar halacha. Turn around on Amit Palel, Tzarech Shikavein at Libod HaShemayim, wherever Davins has to focus his heart towards heaven. Abba Shaol Omer, Siman Davar, where do we know this from? Because it says, Tachim Libam, Tachshiv Oznecha, that they should prepare their hearts, and then, then, Tachshiv Oznecha, then you will listen to what they have to say. Tanya Amriyudah, Kachay Amina Gosha Rabbi Akiva, this was the minog of Rabbi Kivka. When he daven with the tzibor, with the kahal, he used to move through his davening at a higher speed. He used to daven shemeser faster. As to not burden the tzibor with him davening much longer. When he daven by himself, 
He would leave him in one side of the room, and you'd find him on the other side of the room. Why did this happen? From the bowing and prostrations that he did, he moved around, not knowing, but as he bowed and prostrated each time, and he was so absorbed in his tefillah that he ended up moving around the room. Person always daven in a house that has windows in it. Here we're going to bring a number of proofs from Daniel. Daniel is described as going back to his house, to his room to Davin. And there when it says Davin, it says that his windows were open and directed towards Yerushalayim. You would think a person can daven all day. And Daniel it says, Bezimnin, Tlat, over there, it's spelled with a hey, three times a day. Daven three times a day. Yochum, Mishibah, the Gola, Uchla. You would think only when he came into the Gola did he begin to daven. For an Emar, at the end there, it says, Dihava, Avid, Min, Kadma, Dina. That he already did this from before. He continued to daven there, like he had done previously. Maybe a person can daven in any direction they want. Talmud Omar, Neged Yerushalayim. He has to face towards Yerushalayim. On this note, the Rambam happens to codify this halacha. And the Rambam writes that it's already from Moshe Rabbeinu, that there's an obligation to daven towards the Migdash. It's very interesting, but it seems from this, that the Rambam believes that there's a mitzvah do'oraita to daven towards Yerushalayim. What's amazing about this is that, first of all, of course, the Mikdash didn't exist, neither did Yerushalayim at the time that B'nai Israel were makabal the Torah at Sinai. So that's difficult. You can, and it's possible to interpret it as referring to the Mishkan, but even in that context, it's interesting that the Rambam seems to indicate or believe that there's a mitzvah do'oraita to dive into the proper location and to focus towards Hashem. You would think you could dive in all three tefillot in one shot. David explains in Tehillim, Dekhdiv Erev Avokavitzaraim. The three times in the day that you daven, you don't daven all at once. Yacho Yashmiya Kolobit Filato, I would think that he have to raise his voice when he davens. Karmu Furash Shayde Khana, it's already explained to us from Tfilat Khana, Shinamar Bakola Lo Yishameya, that her voice was not heard when she prayed. Yochol Yishala Dam Tsrachava Khakait Palel. Person might think that you should first ask for his needs. And then only afterwards he should daven. Farmu Furash Yade Shlomo. It's already explained by Shmo, Shinamar Lishmoal Rina. Ve'elat tefillah. Rina zu tefillah. The song is tefillah, meaning shevach la kodesh baruch hu. Tefillah zu bakasha. Tefillah is the request that we make of Hashem. So you can't make a request of Hashem. You don't ask for things from Hashem until you've given shevach. And that's the formula that we use. Hashem Esri begins with shevach, the shlosh rishonot. And then only afterwards do we say our bakashot. We have the 12 middle brachot, which are the requests that we make. Einomer davar achar emet v'yatsiv. In Kriyat Shema, or Birkot Kriyat Shema, over there is not the right place to make any requests or bakashot. You have to go from Gali Sol, that Shevach, straight into Shemona Esrei. Avalachar but after one finishes Shemona Esrei, afilu keseder vidui shal yom ha-kippurim, Omer. A person can add in as long as he wants. At the end of davening, after you've finished, you can add in as much as you want, you can speak as much as you want to Hashem there on a personal level, and that's not considered to be interruption or inappropriate. Idmar nami, Yom Rav Chir Barash Yom Rav, Afo Pishra Adorahu, Atshol Adam Tzorachah B'Shmei HaTfilah. A person can make a request from Hashem, he can ask whatever his needs are in Shomei HaTfilah. Nevertheless, Imbal Omar Achar Tfilato, Afilu Kaseder Shomei Kibrim Omer. It's going to be extended, or he's going to have a large request to make of Hashem, he should do that after he finishes davening. And therefore, the Tabin Ereinu Yanu over here codify Aloha. The Gemara here is also found in Avodah Zarah. And over in Zarah, it's even more explicit. And it says, Even though a person should ask his request in Shemei Tfilah, which is a generic bracha, you make any of your requests there. If you have someone who's sick, 
He should say it in Rifainu. If he needs a livelihood, he should include it in So you see that there's another type or their location where it's proper to ask. So we have one place saying that you should say everything in Shemir Tefillah. One member saying that you say it in the Bracha that is relevant to it. And then one member that's saying that you should do everything after you finish davening. So Tamino Rameinu Yona lay out a hierarchy here explaining how that is. And they say that there are actually four dinim here. The first is that by Berkat Shemir Tefillah, there's nothing that's topically inappropriate in Shemei Tfila, and you can ask for whatever you want there. The second din is, that if you want to topically add something in, in the bracha itself, then that is fine too. So in Rifainu, they have many of the Sidurim have an extra little Tfila to ask for a Rufu Shlema for Chola. It's topically consistent, and that is okay. But he has to say that, they can has to say that in Rabim, that's what we saw already in the Gemara before by Tefillah Tadarach, that the proper way to daven is to daven with Lashon Rabim. And that is true also when you do it inside of the Bracha. So when you make a Hiratzon, you have a Birkat Rufei Cholim, and you want to include it inside of that, you're asking for an you have to ask it in a plural form. The Din Shlishi, the third Din is, that if a person is asking for a very personal salvation from Hashem, then he can say to Yachid, even in the middle of a bracha. The other qualification that Rabbeinu Yonah makes here, and that's codified the locha, is that when you're in the middle of a bracha like Rufainu, if you're asking for a tzibur of someone else, you can only do it besofa bracha, towards the end of the bracha in Lashon Rabim. If you're asking for something that's personal, and you're going to say, but Lashon Yachid, you can say that even be'emza bracha. You can even see that in the middle of the bracha. So now we have the third lidin, and the fourth din is, shebesofa tefillah ben kodem yilu ratzon, ben achali ratzon yachol arich. Lomar kitsono, Lashon Yachid, ben Lashon Rabim, ben Tzorchav Amash, ben Tzorchei Tzibor. You can ask for anything he wants. So here we have a layout from the Tamini Bainer Yonah, which is number one, that Shomei Tefillah is an appropriate place to ask for anything. It's topically consistent because it's a generic bracha. But one should not go on forever. It shouldn't be too long. It shouldn't be extended or too much. The other din is that within brachot, you can ask topically for those items that you need. Now if you're davening for someone else, for the tzibur, you have to ask about the Shon Rabim. If it's really a personal item, and where you need personal Yeshua from Hashem, there you can even ask Yachid inside of the bracha itself. And the third din is that at the end of davening, you can go on forever, you can ask whatever you want. Ben Lashon Yachid, Ben Lashon Rabim, Ben Tzarchei Tzibur, Ben Tzarchei Yachid, you're allowed to ask whatever you want. And as the British Lebrun notes, that one shouldn't be marich in their Tefillah Shemayat so they can finish up the end of their Shemon and they can answer to Yehesh Meirabo and to Gedusha, and they won't miss out on those opportunities while they're still supplicating for Hashem. So that's why it's best to do it when you finished your Tefillah Yubchet, and where you would be free to answer those Tefillot or Dvarim Shibikudushah, that's the best place to do it. The other thing that the Rabbeinu Yonah notes is here, Ayishal Adam Tzorchah V'Shloshu Shonov V'Shloshu Achronot. person should not ask for their needs, or insert anything in the first three brachot, and in the last three brachot. But the Geonim said, the Davko Yitzarchei Yachid, that's only true when we're dealing with the individual, the needs of the individual. When it comes to the needs of the Tzibor, it's Mutar. And that's the reason that we have those insertions, which are later insertions from the time of the Gonim. But they were inserted both in the Shlosh Rishonot and the Shlosh Achwanot. They're put in there because they are Tzarchei Tzibor. And that's why we have permission or dispensation to add them in. So again, it's Minyon Adiyoma. And when we start saying these during the Aseret Yimei that's because they are Tzarchei Tzibor. So Mara says, Amar Rav Amnuna, Kama Yuchotag Gavravta, Ika Lamishma Mihani Krai Dechano. 
How many great halachot we can learn out from these psukim that are found by Chana, by Tefillat Chana. So now the Gemara is going to use Tefillat of Chana as a paradigm for Tefillah and how we should act and conduct ourselves with Tefillah. And that's really what the remainder of the Daf is going to spend a lot of time on, is how Tefillat Chana really shows us or indicates to us what we should do in davening. She was speaking to her heart. That he has to have focus, concentration. That part of tefillah is not simply saying the words, but you have kept them kavanat You have to be, it has to be a heartfelt tefillah. Rak Only her lips were moving. Mikan He has to be articulating the words through his lips, but they should not be heard by anybody else. From here you see that you're not allowed to raise your voice when you are davening. That's what we mentioned before in the Gemara. Ellie thought she was drunk. Well, if Ellie was chastising her because she was drunk, that means that one who is drunk should not be davening. How long are you going to be come here in your drunken state? If you see something that's inappropriate or behavior that should not be conducted by your friend, you have to chastise him, you have to tell him. And a good friend tells them when you've done something wrong. And that's what we see here. Eli came to Chana in order to tell her that he, what he saw was not right. Now, Tosafot points over here, Not here in what we're concluding from here is that even something that's not a Torah law, but is a midah, is some sort of a character trait or behavior that seems inappropriate, a friend is allowed to come over and say something and say, you know, I don't think this is the way that you normally behave, this is beneath your stature, so on and so forth, that that is what a good friend does. So Hana responds to Eli and says, No, my master. And they cut off the rest of the pasuk, she explains herself. But here, the Gemara Dar- Darshaning, Lo Adoni, no, my master. You're not a master in this issue. And certainly, the Spirit of Hashem is not upon you. The fact that you suspect me in this means that you clearly don't know what's going on here. You are not a master. You do not have the presence of Hashem or the Spirit with you. Because you assumed that whatever I was doing was negative, and you did not give me the benefit of the doubt. Don't you know that I'm a woman who is in desperation? I didn't drink any wine or intoxicating beverages. When there are suspicions or rumors that arise about an individual, you have to respond to them and clarify so that you clear your name. You should not consider me to be a woman without any bounds who acts without any inhibitions. From here you see that if she had been davening and she was drunk, then that is just like being worshipping Abu Zarah. How do we know this? Over here, Chana is responding to Eli and saying that she's not a Bat Bliyal. Had she been drunk, she would have been a Bat Bliyal. That these people went out and they caused the city to worship Abod Zarah, and those people are called Bnei Bleyal. So Malalan Abod Zarah over there, when it's talking about convincing people to worship Abod Zarah, Eli says at the end, okay, go, go in peace. That a person who suspects his friend for something that is not true, then afterwards you have to appease them, you have to ask them for Mechidah. So over here, he is granting her and saying you should go in peace and that I 
ask you for forgiveness that I mistook you for a shikora. Not only that, did you have to appease them, but you also have to do something positive in return. That God should answer your request and that you should be given or granted a child. So now, Hannah, after she makes a nether, that if Hashem grants her a child, that she would dedicate that child to Hashem. So it says, Nobody used this terminology that Hashem of the hosts or the constellations, nobody ever used that terminology to describe Hashem until Hannah came along. All the hosts and constellations you create in your world, you can't give me one child. He made a great feast for his servants. It's knocking on the door of Amalayam. Can you give me one small piece of bread? They didn't pay attention to him. He pushed himself in. All this great feast you made, you can't give me one little crumb, one little piece of bread? The same thing here. Hanad says, of all the greatness and creations that you made Hashem, you can't grant me this little being of just one child? If you see my pain and you take care of me, good. If not... I will take care of the situation. I will incriminate myself as a sota in front of my husband Elkana. I'll have to drink the waters of the sota. You're not going to make your Torah into a lie. And the Torah says that if the woman is found innocent, she will get a brocha. If she's found to be innocent, then she will have a seed. So there are different opinions of what it means. That works well if she was barren until this point. She'll be to children. That works well. This time, until this point in time, she had given birth with difficulty. She will be granted to give birth with ease. Until now, she had females. Now she'll have males. Until now, she had darker skinned children. You'll have lighter skinned children. Before she had birth to shorter children. She'll give birth to longer children. According to that one, it's only someone who's already giving birth. The dynamics or the character traits of the baby will change. But not that we're saying that someone who didn't give birth before will be blessed. Bishmael says that's a bracha that a woman who's found innocent as a sota, if she was barren and didn't have children at this point, she will be granted children. Anybody's barren will do exactly what Hana said. They'll go and they'll incriminate themselves as sota. And then this woman who didn't have any problem will get and have children. So we don't want that. If she gave birth with pain before we with ease. She gave birth singletons before, and now she gave birth to multiples. Then what does he do with that? That's just a poetic license. It's the nature of the writing of the Torah. But it's not coming to say that there's any drush on these words. So the Pasuk says, Bani Yamatecha Lo Tishkach. The Gemara here brings as Ao, but it's really Velo Tishkach Adamatecha. You should not forget your maidservant and Tata Lamatcha. You should give your maidservant a child. Why did Hana mention that she was a maidservant three times? There are three things that we know test the woman when it comes to death. And now we know we say that in Bamema Dikim every Friday night, that there is Shlosh Mitzvot, when a woman is Bisakana 
that she's in danger of. And those are Nida, Chala, and Hadlaka Taner. So those three mitzvot are mitzvot that are particular to the woman. And being particular to the woman, if she keeps them carefully, they will protect her when she comes into danger. And if not, that they could incriminate her in times of danger. So Amri La Shlosha Kemita. Some say that it's not Shlosha, but Kemita that check by death, but Dov Kemita that they cause death to come about. And these are them Nida Chala Ve'Adlaka Mehem. I'm coming for you, Hashem. And I'm saying, I, I want to be put to the test. I've kept all three of them well and perfectly, and therefore I should be entitled. Uh, to a child over here. You should grant me a offspring of man. My zera nashim. That seems strange. What other type of offspring would you have? Amarav gavra beguvrin. He should be a man amongst men. Shmuel amar zera shemoshech shnei nashim. Have an offspring who anoints two people. Umani nun who is that shaul v'david that he anointed two kings shaul and david. Rabbi Yochanan amar zera shakul kishnei nashim. An offspring that's equivalent to two people. Umani nun who are they? Moshe v'aron shenamar as we say in Kabbalat Shabbat. Moshe v'aron b'kohanav u'shmuel b'korei shemo that shmuel is weighed against Moshe v'aron. Rabbanan amrei zera nashim. Zera nashim means zera shmuvla ben nashim that he is just a normal average person. Yadar avdim yamar lo aruch v'lo goats not too tall not too short v'lo katan. Velo ilayim, not too scrawny, not too muscular. Velo tzachor, velo gichor, not too reddish, not too white. Velo chacham, velo tipesh, not too smart and not a fool. You know, she wanted an average individual, not someone who would not stand out and who would not attract an ayin hara. So then Chana says to Eli when she brings Shmuel back, Ani aisha, ani tzevet imacha bazeh. I was the woman who stood by you with this. I'm Rabbi Shubin Levi, mikan shasur lesheh b'toch arba mot shel tefillah. Now let us sit when you're within four amot of someone that is davening. Now that's true. Only if the person is not engaged in tefillah, as Tosfo points out. That's Bemilifana, Bemilitzadim, Bemilacharab, front, back, around him. He has the four amot, or his sphere. And you're not allowed to interrupt his davni by being in that sphere. As if he's sitting doing nothing. You can sit, because then you're engaged in the same activity as the other individual, and it's not considered to be an affront that you are within the sphere of that individual. Shmuel was in violation of Paschal Eloch before his Rebbe. They shechted the par, the korban, and then they brought the nar to Eli. Just because they shechted the par, they brought Shmuel to Eli. Ella, Amarla, and Eli, grow Kohen, late David Lishchot. Recall a Kohen so he can do Shechita for you on the Korban. Chazunu Shmuel, Davu, Mehadre, Batar Kohen. Shmuel saw that they were looking for a Kohen, the Mishchat, to do the Shechita. Amarlehu, Lama Luchula, Jure, Batar Kohen. The Mishchat, why are you looking for a Kohen to do Shechita? Shechita, Bizar, Kshera. Even a Zar, even a non Kohen can do Shechita on Kodashim. I told the Kameh de Eli. They brought him to Eli after he said this. Amalei Menolacha. Where do you know this from? Amalei Mitiv. What does the pasuk say? V'shachat Kohen. It doesn't say in the pasuk that the Kohen has to do shkita. It says v'kriva Kohenim that the Kohenim do akrava, which refers to the kabbalat adam and olachat adam. Those require kiuna, and that means mikabbalat veilech mitzvah kiuna. Only from the receiving of the dam from the beima that requires a Kohen. Gan shkita shkira bzar. So that says that a zar, someone who's non Kohen, could do shkita. Amalei meimar shapir karamart enochanami. He's right. The drasha that he has is right. Miu you are someone who is passing a locha for your Rebbe. Now, even though Eli was not his Rebbe at this point, he just was coming up to the Mishkan. Nevertheless, he was the Godol Ador. And since he was the Godol Ador, he should not have been passing a locha in front of the Godol Ador. Now, obviously, this Midrash is somewhat stretched because when Shmuel is brought up to Eli, he's a young child. It's after Igamel. 
after his mother weaned him. So how old is he? Two, three years old? Seems a little bit of a stretch, but nevertheless, it's the Midrash here is reflecting what's true in the Navi itself, which is that Shmuel will come and undermine Eli. Eli will take Shmuel as his pupil, and the end Shmuel will bring the Nebuah to Eli, that his house will be destroyed, that the Mishkan will be destroyed, and eventually Shmuel will ascend to be the leader of Kalal Yisrael. So it's that same similar idea, which is within the context of Alakha. So he says, screams I'm this woman who davened with you for this child. Let me punish him. And I'll daven again. And the guy will give you even better child. This is the child I prayed for. I don't want this child to go. She was speaking about literally her heart, that which is on her heart. Anything that you created in a human and a woman, you created it for a purpose, not for naught. In I am the road, eyes to see with, ears to hear with, a nose to smell with, and mouth to speak with, hands to work with, legs to walk with, and breasts to nurse with. These breasts that you gave me, what purpose do they serve? Aren't they there to nurse? Let me use them and utilize them for what they were given to me for. So again, this is somewhat non-sequitur, but since it's said over by the same individual, it's brought over here. Anybody who fasts, the fast here with them has a tanit chalom, someone has a bad dream, and fasts because of that bad dream, they're allowed to fast even on Shabbat. And it's efficacious to fast on Shabbat. He'll rip up a decree even for 70 years. Meaning that it's a good time to fast, and one should fast for tanit chalom on Shabbat. Bafo he's been in violation of Shabbat, he fasts on Shabbat. So even though he saved himself from the other din, he now has obligated himself or made himself culpable for violating Onik Shabbat. Maitakante, so what should he do? He'll have to fast another day during the week for the fast that he did on Shabbat. This is the locha, the Vratanit Chalom, if one is faced with that, they can fast on Shabbat. But if they do fast on Shabbat, they have to fast another day to make up or to be mechaper for the fact that they fasted on Shabbat. Tana spoke in a irreverent manner, brazen way before Kodesh Baruch Hu. So the Pasuk really says the word Al in it instead. It shouldn't say El Hashem. Instead it says Al Hashem. That she spoke on Hashem. Meaning that she put herself in a way where she was speaking directly to Hashem and throwing it onto Hashem. That she threw out her predicament to Hashem and said, take care of it. Eliyahu did the same thing. He says about the people that are worshipping the Baal and he's asking Hashem to come at Har Carmel to bring down the fire and to swap the carbonate. He says to Hashem, You caused their hearts to go astray and to leave you and go worship the Avodah Zarah. Because you put a Yitzharan inside of them. How do you know that a Kosh in the end acquiesces to the words of Eliyahu? That I put bad into them. And as Rashi points out, the beginning of the roti. So that it says that I will gather in all of those that have been dispersed and those that I caused bad to. How did I cause bad to them? Because I gave them a Yitzhahara. Okay, we'll stop over here.